All right. I have kind of a complicated scheme I wanted to share with all of you, my most loyal listeners. I want you to help me spread the word of superwomen far and wide. And how are we going to do this? Well, I'm going to do a sweepstakes. So here's how it's going to work. I want you to tell a friend about the podcast. I want that friend to download the podcast, screenshot it, and DM it to me. And guess what? I'm going to pick a lucky winner that both of you get something from me. I'm going to give you guys each $250 gift cards so that you can go buy whatever you want on my site and enjoy just for being such loyal listeners. So I'm going to repeat the instructions just in case that was really confusing. I want you to share this podcast with a friend. Have that friend send me a screenshot to my at Rebecca Minkoff in my DMs of them downloading the podcast and tagging you so I know you're the beautiful one that brought them here. And I will send two lucky winners. So that's $1,000 of gift cards to you and a friend and a friend and another. So get sharing, get promoting, send the women you love this podcast because I make it for women who need a daily dose of inspiration, who need to know that work is hard. It can be rewarding. It can be terrifying. But at the end of the day, we're doing what we love. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Hey, everyone. Today's guest is Aaron Kleinberg, the CEO and owner of Medie. Aaron Kleinberg, I met back when the Covetour was just launching, and it was the hottest media platform that you hoped they would come into your house and photographed. Fast forward, and now she has an award-winning advertising and branding agency responsible for some of the most iconic modern beauty brands on the market today. Recently, Erin was inspired to launch Cydia, a fragrance and body care brand after the passing of her late grandmother. We get into what made her launch this brand, how she continues to thrive as a mother and founder of now three companies, and what she does when she needs to unplug. Take a listen. Erin, it has been a long time. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy we get to use this vehicle to catch up. I know. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm ever inspired by all of your lovely guests. So this is a huge honor. Yeah, it's fun. So we met, oh my gosh, 10 years ago when the Covetour did my apartment. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe they want to come into my apartment. <laughs> um, I just had my first baby and we were living in this one bedroom. It was like a cool loft, but I was like, is this place cool enough for these people to come in and like get it? So 
I would love to hear like how, how you started that. And then now obviously we'll get into your, your new, not new, but your, your new ish. Newness. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, for me, like everything has been so, um, compounded on top of one another. Like I actually started my career with a clothing line. So I can relate to you in a great way. Um, I was like 21. I started making clothes. I sold them to Barney's and Neiman's and Nordstrom and like 80 stores by the time I was 25. Learned a lot. Didn't have a business degree or know how to sew, but figured it out. And then what happened was um, when I was 25, came up for the idea with for the Cavatour. Like it was such a time of street style and Tommy Ton was out there taking the shots and like we loved what was going on. But we thought, okay, now it's getting very crowded. Anyone can take this photograph outside the shows. What if we go inside people's homes and show you like what they had to choose that morning and kind of see their closet juxtaposed with their environment and really see how people live intimately. And it was just like right time, right place. And, you know, it kind of blew up. Everyone wanted to be a voyeur. It was like the beginning is of beginnings of Instagram and we just were three kids from Canada who had this idea and we were voyeurs and we wanted to see the life of like, you know, the really chic people behind the scenes who made it all happen. So that was an amazing opportunity. Ended up in like 500 of the world's best tastemakers homes, got to see, you know, the ins and outs. And like, I loved when they would just say, hey, do you want to just stay for dinner after the shoot and like smoke a joint and have John and Vinny's? And I would be like, hell yeah. And just really spending time <laughs> with people and getting to know people in this industry, in this community was huge for us. Learned how to fundraise. Drake invested in the company, which was bonkers cool. And, you know, learned a lot of things, like a lot of mistakes we made as leaders in that time. And, you know, lots of learning from that and how to grow. And and now fast forward, I left the Covet Tour in 2014. And in 2015, I started my creative agency, Metier Creative. And it was kind of like this culmination of realizing like, okay, we were really creating such amazing editorial content. We wanted to work with brands, but we didn't want the facade of a publication. So my partner at the time and I were like, let's start an agency and work with all these amazing brands we've worked with, but on the own side of things and really help them tell their story in that way. So, you know, it's 2015, we call up the Dior's, the J brands, whoever it was, and we're like, hey, we're starting an agency now. Do you trust us to do that too? And they were like, yeah, lo and behold. And so those were our first clients and really started to build the foundation for what is now a 15 person creative agency that's worked with brands that span from Chanel, Dior, Ferragamo, all the way to Way, Say, Megababe, you know, Merit, all the new founders and that sort of thing. So I'm just so inspired by all the people we work with. And I've spent the last eight years really kind of being an outsider insider to how all these amazing businesses and beauty have been built. And then that led me to my latest project, Cydia. So before we talk about Cydia, yeah. You know, you guys got into 500 tastemakers homes, you know, how did you get people to trust you guys or think you like, who are these random kids who just started a company and they wanted, you know, how did you get that cool factor that people were begging you, yeah. you know, or <laughs> felt honored that you'd come into their homes? Cause there, there had to have been a beginning where you were just like, Hey, we started oh, yeah. this thing. It's called totally. the cover tour. So talk to me about that. And then I want to touch on yeah. when you decided to leave, you know, yeah. Was that scary? Was it exciting? All those emotions. Yeah, for sure. So I think the the thing about us is we're Canadian. And I think people love Canadians fundamentally. Because <laughs> you're cool, so we're nice. Chill, we're so nice. Oh. Um, like, yes. you know, I don't know. We just love like hockey and bacon. And I don't know. So I <laughs> people just like that factor of us. It was a different vibe than a New York vibe. 
Um, and I think we came at it really in, you know, honestly and like intentionally. And we were sort of like, hey, we're doing this really crazy passion project. I think when something starts with passion, it's so much, you know, what more well received. And so we're like, hey, can we like, you know, come shoot your your home, shoot your closet? And the thing is, we had all these relationships from before. So I think everything, as I said, always compounds from the network that you build and the community you're in. So calling up people that we knew and just being like, hey, would you allow us to do a test? And I think the fact that we allowed people to see the photos and tell us what they didn't like after made them feel comfortable. Like it was always about their comfort level because we're in their homes, right? So I think it started like that. And I think early on, we had a meeting with Taylor Tomasi Hill. Uh, mm. She was at Marie Claire at the time. And we told her about this idea. And we're like, yeah, we might start it in six months, whatever. She's like, guys, here's a list of 10 people in the fashion industry. I want you to call them now. Go to their homes literally right now and start shooting. She's like, if you don't do this, someone else is going to steal your idea. And we wow. were like, oh. God. So, you know, like these people that we kind of knew really helped us. And she set us up. Eugene Tong was one of the first people like his closet was so memorable to me. And so I think it was this honesty, this passion and kind of really going for it. You know, like early on, we set up relationships with Vogue and Elle at the same time. And then they like found out what we were doing and we were like, shit, <laughs> but whatever. Sometimes you got to ask for forgiveness after the fact. But I think it was this truly it was about the community and it was about making them feel good. So you had an incredible, successful company, and then you said, okay, I want to start something new. So talk to me, talk to me through what, what you went through emotionally, all the things that you might've encountered. Yeah. I think it it really goes back to like at partners and if you're the right person to have partners or not, I think it's really tricky because a lot of entrepreneurs in the beginning are like, I want someone to celebrate the wins with. I want someone to be there when I fail. And like, I was like that for so long. And, you know, I relied on that. But I think ultimately, like I've learned about myself that I'm not good in a partnership and I'm awesome as just the sole proprietor. And that took a lot of cold, hard thinking and looking at myself to realize that. And um, now I'm thrilled with it. But, you know, at the time, I just think there was, you know, three founders is hard, harder than two. And then you have investors and people with voices at the table. There's about 11, 12 chefs in the kitchen. And it was hard. I think I wanted sort of different things and they wanted and different motives. And ultimately, you know, we decided to part ways. And I think like, truly, that was a hard time for me because I think, you know, I came, I was in this position of real cultural power in a way, you know, and people wanted to be on the site and everything. And then, and then I left and I was like, and I'm going to do this other thing. And they were like, wait, what? Like, how is this, how is this going to actually serve me? And I was like, whoa, like, can you relax for a second? And honestly, Rebecca, it was it was awesome in a way because I got to see like who are the real ones and who are the not real ones. And, like who's here for industry and who's here to truly support me and be on this entrepreneurial journey with me. And it felt like shit at the time. But now I like know where my network is. So walking away from something that was your idea and that you built in investors, like did you have a low period after that? And how quickly did you start Medier? Yeah. I had a low period for sure. And, (laughs) you know, the people around me were like, this is going to be the best thing. It's going to be great. I was like, is it? I don't know. (laughs) What gave you that courage? Where did that come from? You kind of have to experience the doldrums in order to go up, you know, like you got to get so down to the bottom and like feel this immense, like, what the fuck am I going to do? And how am I going to make this work? And that gives you the resiliency and the grit to like keep going and get inspired again. And so, and also the community, right? I had met these people and they were there. Some of them were there to help me continue. And so I think it's really about innovating and reinventing and like trying to think the, you know, think about spinning the wheel again. And like, I remember when I, during the Covetour, I interviewed Karl Lagerfeld in Paris at one of his shows. I was like, Carl, the show was amazing. Like, tell me about the looks and everything. And he was like, 
no, 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 no. We will not talk about the show. We will talk about the future. He's like, you tell me what's cool. What's this? What's that? And like, it's stuck with me forever that like, we need to live in the future. We need to think ahead. And so, yes, it was painful and it was so hurtful. And I cried and like, you know, probably for a year I felt bad, but then like, you know, spring arose and the flowers kind of came and I was like, okay, the newness will, will provide me with joy. So I think I had to experience those lows and yeah, to get me to the better place. So did you, did you see that even though you were in the doldrums, like, did you see tender shoots and like, no, okay, if I can make Metier successful and, and what it's now become, then I'll be fine. Yeah, I think order? so. Yeah. And I think I was like, okay, you already had a clothing line when you knew nothing. You built this global publication that's going to continue on past you and you have a skill. And, and like, I didn't really know what my skill was at the time. I always knew it had like something amazing about me. Um, but the secret sauce was just like reinvention and creativity and building things from nothing with these like yeah. two little hands, you know? And so I thought, okay, well, all these brands like trusted us. And so now we go back to them and like continue to build on that trust. And I think it was like the Couture kind of led me to Metier where I was like really meant to be as a consultant and really like, you know, a brand strategist and helping build from nothing and then help, you know, heritage brands kind of rethink. And so I just sort of reapplied my whole like, okay, this is how you start something from nothing. I took it to the agency model. I never worked at an agency. My partner at the time did. So we figured it out and we built this new age, you know, beautiful like nugget of creativity and excitement and innovation. So for me, it's always about like continual learning. If I'm not like really excited about things and I like get bored and I just need to be like doing and creating. And I think you have that like inside of you or you don't, you know? <laughs> Yes. I identify that so much. Like I always tell yeah. people your security isn't what's in your bank account. It's your ability to create something from nothing over and yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And yeah. every time I'm in the doldrums, I'm like, okay, I could create something from nothing again. I could do it. I, I don't want so it. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your new project. Yes. What is it? So um, definitely my most close to my heart project. Um, I think what happened was just to set it up with Metier, the pandemic hit. It was terrible. You know, so many of our clients are production-based, content-based. And so they were like, actually, we need to pause and, you know, had to lay off pretty much the whole team. Like it was like literal war rooms, like nonstop. I'm sure you were feeling the same thing. And yep. the exact week that COVID shut us down was the exact week my grandmother, Sidia, passed away. So it was like grief and loss and pain and like literally world comes crashing down, you know, in, in one week. And so, um, you know, my grandmother, she was 79. She left us too young. She was a Holocaust survivor, immigrant to Canada, and she was just the purveyor of cool and chic and elegance. And, you know, she taught me so much about like how to take care of myself just as hard as we take care of the world around us. And she was like into self-care before it was a thing. And so I know that so many people around us also have a matriarchal figure or someone, an aunt, a, you know, a sister, a mom, whatever it is. And I just felt like, okay, you've been studying luxury brands your whole career. And now you have this like moment of grief. How can you take it and channel it into creativity? Um, and so I thought I'm going to build a new age, modern luxury brand in her name, in her honor that focused on care and caring for ourselves as really fucking busy women. So <laughs> Cydia was born and like, it's really special because I just have this, you know, ability ahead of me to like, you know, put her name in lights in these beautiful boutiques across the world. And, you know, our products are really reminiscent of our time together. Like she'd always be reminding me to moisturize. And so we have hand care and body care. And fragrance is really important because it's such a nostalgic transporter for me in terms of storytelling. So 
It's a beautiful fragrance and body care brand that's really meant to allow us to come home to ourselves. And it's like, if you're going to work this hard, might as well do it in the honor of your family's legacy, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you've learned so much from the brands that you have worked with that you take that and just create successfully your your brand. Totally. Like it is so symbiotic and like forever we've been suggesting all these strategies and creative thoughts and whatever. And I now for you. Like, we have to execute it. And I'm like, shit, that doesn't work. Like, don't do <laughs> so it's really kicking our ass because we have to like, we come up with all the greatness, but then now we're actually executing it. And so it's really a special, a special relationship. I feel very lucky that like, they're so um, interconnected. So let's go back to the dark ages. You know, yes. a lot of people think that brands that got through COVID maybe didn't struggle as much as they did. You know, I publicly talk about 70% of our business evaporating in a week. We had layoffs, we had pay cuts. It was horrific. So when you saw your business evaporating, what what kept you strong and and focused and then saying, oh, now let me risk money and start a new company? Because most yeah, people totally. don't do that. Totally. You know, as, as their default. <laughs> In retrospect, I'm like, what the what was I thinking? But uh I guess with the Metier side of things, like I really relied on my advisors. I think advisors are critical. You can't think of everything on your own. And I had like this war room of people who were like constantly helping me day to day really not getting paid and just helping us figure it out. Right. So it was this, it was this almost like systemic, like I can do this. I can do this every day, wake up and, and fight the fight. And then with the city side of things, it was like this little tiny flame that was like lit inside of me. That was like, if you just keep focusing on creativity and your passion, like, like, I'm, you know, my passion's always gotten me out of other things. Right. And, you know, like I've always figured it out. I don't, you know, my family hasn't given me tons of money. Like they're not in the fashion industry. I've always figured it out myself. And so I'm like, you got this, like you are the risk taker, like go for it. And I, you know, before this happened, I I did, I was thinking about starting a brand as well. It wasn't like this really came out of nowhere. I, I did have intentions after learning so much from all these brands of doing it for myself and for us too. So I had that motivation for sure. But yeah, it was kind of this like push and pull of like the pain. And then it was, it was juxtaposed with this extreme pleasure of like building and and creating, you know, and I needed that to like get, especially if we were like stuck in our houses. You know what I mean? Like I had nothing else to do, but like get my ideas going. All external pressure is off ladies. It's time to listen to the inner pull. Mastering the art of knowing when to slow down and breathe versus when to take action. On the Emotionally Uncomfortable podcast, host Heather Chauvin dives into solving the timeless challenge that professional women who are also raising children face, work-life balance. Check out the podcast, Emotionally Uncomfortable, on your favorite platform, and here's a little extra motivation for you. Tune in while you're taking action to nourish your soul, just as Heather encourages. It's high time we start valuing our deepest desires. Check out the Emotionally Uncontrollable podcast today. So when you decided to do this, did you fundraise for it? Did you use your own money as an investment? And, and talk me through like how you've yeah. scaled it. Because a, a lot of people obviously want to start and then they see how much it costs and they, and they run. Totally. Totally. And it is so cost intensive and it is very scary. But I did raise money from angel investors, like really just people that believed in me, nothing crazy, like, you know, 500,000 type thing and friends and family, just like people who knew I could do this. And 
you know, I have put in a lot of money of my own and that scares the shit out of me. But I, again, you have to believe in yourself and invest in you because like no one else is going to. And I think that the, the most, like the biggest piece of advice I can have in this day and age is like, the old model of raising like $5 million VC money and they're going to throw it at this machine and it's going to be the next Glossier. Like it's not realistic right now, you know? And I think it's just like total flip on the switch of like build it slowly and build it intentionally and build it uniquely and like know what you're doing and just see the vision and work on it. And it's not going to happen overnight. I just don't think VCs are investing in, in like consumer brands anymore. And so the playbook's a bit different and people want profitable companies now, you know, they don't want to just like throw money on a fire. So I'm building very slowly, um, very smartly and just honestly having fun doing it. I know that's cheesy, but I know I'm going to look back on these times and be like, okay, that was really hard and whatnot, but you had so much fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was launching the book and I had to do the strategy alone and execute it, I just remember telling myself, this is really fucking hard. I've never done this before, but I'm going to look back and be like, holy fuck, I did this and I learned something and it's something new and different. And so I always feel alive. It makes you feel alive. It makes you feel alive. It's true. And I think that people think feeling alive is when they get the win, but it's actually accomplishing. Like it's the doing of it that makes you feel alive. Not the like it's done because yeah. Every time we do something and it's done, I'm like, oh, I like the process better. Yeah, totally. And the other thing about the funding too is like, uh, just in this day and age too, like I started, you know, I, I like to have a lot of money in the bank. Obviously that's the ideal, right? But then I just started to get more comfortable and more comfortable with like, okay, you're not going to see like this awesome number in the bank account all the time because you're floating this thing, you know, and that takes an immense amount of risk comfort level, I guess. But eventually you're just like, I'm doing this no matter what. So I better get comfortable with this and like, just keep going and the money will come and the business will come. But at least I can, I I have the comfort of knowing I haven't given away like so much of the company, you know, to VCs that maybe not be aligned with me right now. Oh my God. I tell women that all the time. And I, I feel like so many people see the cover of the magazine and think that you have to just raise money. And I'm like, don't actually raise the money, make it your blood, sweat and tears, make a product that sells. So I'm happy to hear that you're doing it. But the other thing too, is, so I still meet with every single VC. Like, I think it's so valuable just to like hear what they say and know what's up and understand the space. Cause I do think that like, I've taken a little thing away from their free advice over the years, you know? So I think it's still good to connect, but like, just be so careful. Totally. So what for you, is the biggest lesson you've learned with all three companies, or maybe each one had a different lesson. We know that you're better as a solo operator. Better as a solo operator, (laughs) long, hard look in the mirror. The number one piece of like advice that actually came from my grandmother that I give to people that I believe has helped me in all three companies is go with your gut. You have to believe your intuition. Like intuition to me is everything. I don't care what the data looks like. I believe like what is in my soul and like what feels authentic to me. And so that's what's going to take you there. There's so much homogenous things going on in the world. There's so many brands. There's so much noise. Like, you know, believing what's in your heart and your soul, I think is going to take you the farthest. Yeah. The other thing I've learned is like, I could never do this alone. Yes. I'm a sole partner, I guess, you know, like I like to do it on my own as a founder, but I have a brilliant team around me. Like it takes a village to do all this. I also like have an amazing nanny. Like, like I have so many people that enable the Aaron Kleinberg machine. (laughs) And so, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a community around you, friends, family, 
family, like people who believe in you, like take their help, take their advice and don't be afraid to have some advisors um, to your company or to your startup and take kind of take their advice with a grain of salt and then ingest it and then use your intuition to make the final call. I think that's like the best. Yeah. I'm happy you talked about your bench because I was being a guest on a podcast yesterday and she's like, how do you do it all? I'm like, you know how deep my bench is? There are a lot of fucking people. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> making this, making this, you know, this thing work. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm yeah. glad you talk about that because I think so many women just think some one woman has figured out how to do it all, and it's like, no, she's figured out how to like delegate and build a team. Yes, delegating is critical inside the home and outside the home. Totally, and like being okay with it. I feel like I had a lot of like guilt at first because mom work whatever, but like you, I ha- you have to find like the right mix for you and be true to yourself. Yeah. So what does the future look like for you? How do you split your time between Metier and... Well, Metier is a very well-oiled machine at this point. And so I have my wonderful right-hand managing director, Nicole, who like really runs the show. Took us probably like a year together training to like make that happen and have me, you know, kind of step away from a lot of the client work. There's like a couple marquee clients that I'm still involved with, but majority really of my time is Cydia. You know, like I oversee Mete from a CEO, like, you know, PL, make sure there's no fires and that kind of thing and the vision for the agency. But Cydia is like my true passion. And like I love that the agency can be like this small, awesome force of nature that gets to work with the best of the best brands in the world. And I'm not looking to scale that to be too big because we just like enjoy what we do so much. And then City is like this beast of like, how do you scale something to be really big? Like Rebecca Minkoff has, you know, like I think, because <laughs> I like, I always listen to tons of podcasts. I always listen to Guy Raz and they're always like, okay. He's like, so you grew up in Idaho on a farm and now you're a unicorn. It's like, well, what the fuck happened in the middle? How did you scale that thing, right? Like no one talks about like the ugly steps that are in the middle. So I'm like really passionate about saying, okay, I've built really awesome small businesses. And now like, what does it look like to build a brand that truly withstands the test of time? And that's my passion. I think some of the things that I'm realizing is that in building a brand, time is it, right? Because you, you don't get stuck into a person's head and space unless you have that longevity. Yeah. And then I think a lot of it is a lot of money in marketing, <laughs> which sucks if you if you have tight margins. But the beautiful part of beauty is you have great margins. So <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. I think I picked the right category for sure. Yeah. Um, but also like again, back to the playbook thing. Like everybody was like, Oh, we're building DTC brands. Like, no, now so many brands are going to wholesale and like the thing's getting flipped. So you can't can't ever be stuck on like a playbook. I think we live in a world that's moving so fast that you have to be open to just like the pivots nonstop. Yeah. So you are in Canada. Toronto, yeah. How have you penetrated the U.S. with, you know, even the Covetour was known as, you know, it felt like, okay, it's New York even though you were yeah. from Canada. Now you're back in Canada. How have you sort of made that shift? I think from a young age, like I've always, I've always known that like I wanted to live in Toronto and support the local community of people here in terms of talent, because I think there's so many people here that are amazing and they just, they're not living in New York. So I think it's been great in that way. And we brought a lot of opportunities in fashion here, but I always knew that like 
New York was the hub and LA and America. Like I, I've always just had that innately in me. So from the early days, right away with the clothing line, when I was 20, I was like, I'm going to sell Barney's. You know what I mean? Like I just knew that was the thing. And so with Cov, like we just made sure we were always traveling to the States. We eventually had an office there. And I think with Metier, it was like 90% of our clients are in the US, but we are here with all the amazing talent. And then with Cydia, like same thing, like I, I want to be, you know, in all the retailers in the US. And I just, I think the opportunity is unfortunately just like much bigger there. Yeah. I always say like my body's kind of here in Toronto, but like my soul lives in New York City, Um, I guess like with my children in there somewhere because like I love it here. My family's here. It's amazing. I have so much space in this house. Like it's a great city. But when I come to New York, like the electrifying nature just like moves me in a huge way. And it's just like this amazing feeling that you can't feel anywhere else, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. Unless you're in the subway in August. Then <laughs> like I was yesterday. Oh and I was like, God, this is, this is not the, I do not feel the electricity, <gasps> nor am I inspired. And I feel sweat dripping down my legs. <laughs> so funny. True. Um, fair, fair. <laughs> I come in my like small doses. Yes, for sure. So what's next? What's what's your expansion plan? Or not. I know you want to grow slowly, but like, I mean, I want to grow slowly. I think, I think we've reached a really awesome place with Metier where like, I have the confidence to say like, we are one of the top like three fashion beauty agencies out there. And that's really a special thing. And so we're kind of figuring out like, you know, just so many different things of which clients we work with, how we intake, how we, you know, do new biz outside externally. And just, that's been a really great strategic moment for me. So I'm really having fun with that. And yeah, like with Cydia, the world is our oyster. Like I want to keep growing. I think retail is huge for us. I think amenities could be massive for us, spas, hotels. Like I want to be at every touch point where our customer is, you know, where a woman is and have sort of different sense that, you know, help illuminate each part of her day and just like are there and helping her find a moment of solace. Like we're always on Zoom and I just get so tired. I end up going to the bathroom and just do my two-step hand care system and like not on my phone. And I'm just thinking for a second, even a second without your phone is a, such a luxury. And I think it's about those small luxuries. And so it's really about just growing. I want to do some killer you know, collaborations when the time is right, not like with every brand everywhere. Like I really want it to be special. And so I'm really just taking my time, you know, I love that you don't hear that often people taking their time, but it's so refreshing. Everyone's in a rush to get to what they think, you know, the grass is greener, but guess what? Well, I always say they're like what they they think is there, but it's like, wait a minute, what is there? It doesn't always have to be a unicorn. You can enjoy the time, you know, spent and, I always say too, like, it's funny at Metier, I feel like this really powerful yo. And then at Cydia right now, I feel like the naked baby on the cover of the Nirvana album, like trying to grab the cash, <laughs> but it's a good, healthy challenge. And like, I think, you know, we're having, yeah, like I said, having fun doing it and the team's like very, very inspired by the slow growth. So I love it. That's going to be the new mantra. Grow slow. Enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you have the luxury to do that. Yes, for sure. But I think most people as if they've decided to grow a brand or have one could, you know, could decide to grow slower. It's yeah. You know, yeah. Growing faster doesn't mean you make more money. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our fastest growth. Yeah. Period was the, when we needed the most money, right? It was when we went into the most leveraged. So tell me a piece of advice that you'd like to share that either someone gave to you or you learned yourself and would like to pass on? One of my like really trusted advisors 
had this one statement that always sticks with me, like change is constant, like just change is constant. There's no other way to, <laughs> to put it, but like it just is. And he also said something to me, which like, I think I agree with, but I don't know um, yet. He was saying that like some of the best, you know, CEOs he's found are like a little bit paranoid. And like, I feel like I am a little bit paranoid sometimes, but yeah. I think it keeps you humble. And like, you know, like, of course you want to have a confidence about you, but like, you know, you're always like thinking like almost what's your next move? What's your next act? Like, it's good to like have a little bit of that in you. Is that weird? Yeah. No, it's not weird, but I don't think it's paranoia. I think you can't sit still. Yeah. Because you said yeah. change is constant. So if yeah. you sit still, you know, there's nothing that's automatic. And if you relax and someone will come take it yeah. all from you because they're younger yeah. and smarter and yeah. faster and they don't have kids and whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, that's so. another thing that I'm like experiencing too is like, you know, I'm starting to, I'm 37. So like, I'm not saying that's old at all, but I'm starting to like get into the forties and I'm like, Ooh, interesting. Are people going to like see me differently? Like everyone has always said the world is so ageist. And now I'm like, interesting. Like I'm starting to. I don't see think it. people get ages till later now. I mean, I'm 42 yeah. and I feel like when I turned 40, it's so cliche, but I'm like, something changed. And yeah. bad things changed body wise, but good things changed mentally. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, good. I'm excited for that. That'll be a good milestone too. Yes. But um, 42 is really bad things start to happen. <laughs> oh my God. Like, oh no. Okay. We'll save that for off the podcast. Yeah. Turkey neck sets in. Turkey neck. Oh um, God. I, I already have it. <laughs> I'm just like ice rolling all the time. <laughs> I know. I know. So my last question for you is I like to ask what each of my guests, you know, what is something we'd be surprised to know about you that would just, you know, make you more human to my listeners? Oh my gosh. Um, so Beside ice rolling your neck. Let me think about it. I guess, I don't know if this is so surprising, but like, I kind of like, you know, yes, I'm so inspired and ignited and all the things, but like each month I probably have like, well, I want to say like three or four days where I'm just like, fuck this, like, honestly, fuck this. And I'll just allow myself to like be in a bit of doom and like, just like not work or not like just really zone out of it and just like stop it and just be like, like, I just all of a sudden get to this point in the month where I'm like, you love what you're doing, but this is so fucking hard. Just stop for a second. Like just, just, I really do allow myself to like have these moments of numbness. Like you need to just do nothing, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like, yeah. I, I actually really celebrate that. I think it's really, really important. And, and I think it's like, it's good for me. And like, I also really am into like optimal work times. Like I don't make any big decisions past like 2 PM. Like I'm like, I don't like to take calls after 3 PM. Like I'm a morning person, like know what's good for you. I think is important. I guess that's a little vulnerably, but I'm trying to think what else. When you go into that bucket mode and you're not doing yeah. anything, how do you <laughs> pull yourself out of it? Or is it sort of like the tide where it just goes away and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready now. Or you have to be like, all right, back to work. I got to, you know, it's it's the thing that you said earlier on the call, which is time. Like to me, time is such a special thing because like sometimes it can just be a night. Like I'll just like binge something and then the next morning wake up. I'm like, okay, it's the bounce back and I can do this. Sometimes it takes a bit longer, but I feel like time always just like heals everything, helps everything, changes everything. Like you just need to like go through a bit of a cycle. And then I'm lucky enough that I do have the pushback and like pump back up. But sometimes you got to inspire yourself. You got to like go for a walk or go... I don't know, go to a museum or something. You have to like change the vibe, change the yeah. energy sometimes. Yeah. I always tell women or people go for a walk without your phone. Yes. You know, 
That's huge. And look up, look out. I sometimes notice I'm just looking down all the time and I see the ground and then I look up and I'm like, oh, beautiful architecture or totally. sky. Yeah. Or like, or like a kid will look at you in your house and just be like, I love your mama. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, you're amazing. You know, like it really, I mean, you know, that does help a lot. It's just like having time with the kids when they're not cuckoo. <laughs> totally. Totally. So where can everyone get Cydia in the yes. States or beyond internationally, wherever it's sold? Cityofthebrand.com for sure. Um, and then we also have the privilege of selling Revolve, Saks, Kierna Zabet, Shop Bob. Okay. Mac- that's like, like the A-list <laughs> of, sto- of stockists, first of all. Were you just laser focused and you knew here's the 10 ones I have to have because then it leads to the rest? Yeah, that was a big part of my like strategy was just getting into those retailers. Like the first one was actually Goop, um, and then the Webster. Oh my god! I just, you know what? It's because I had when I had my clothing line, I did sell to some really great stores, but there were certain boutiques that I like never cracked. You know, so it was kind of like this pushing in me that really wanted to get to these other stores. But I just really like worked those relationships and just really kept going and pushing because I just knew that if I could get into those retailers and I could continue to go from there and they would support us. And also not only just getting in the retailers, but like figuring out where you want to sit in the retailer and kind of having an opinion on that. You know, like I'm always like, we will sit next to Byredo. And some people are like, you are crazy. And some people are like, okay, let's merchandise it. So yeah. you just have to like have a vision and just go for what the fuck you want. And people might think it's a little aggressive, but too bad. I love it. And I love that you were so focused on here are the ones because I think sometimes girls are like, how do I get into wholesale? And I'm like, no, don't even start there. You know, <laughs> you have to start with the list you just named to then get yeah. all who want you. You know, I think there's a reverse psychology to it all. So strategy, uh, strategy. I think I didn't give it enough merit all in a lot of the years of my career. And now I'm like, oh my God, everything is strategy. Yeah. Know? Yep. And the patience to execute it. True. Like I, I used, because I used to say yes to everything. And then I was like, oh, the people that are saying no to most things are slowly building this, whatever it is, a network or a, a list of stores or whatever it is. The power of no is a bitch. Yeah. It's Ooh, true. That's painful. Yeah. But I always say that too to people like, my husband's always saying like, you know, people, so many people have ideas. So many people are like, they have the next great idea. But like, until you look yourself in the mirror and know that you're going to have the like will to execute it, you know, like everyone has ideas, but not that many people can actually execute. And I think that's a reality you kind of have to face. Like, can I execute this? You know? Yeah. And if you can't then go work for someone who can enjoy that ride. But also it's so wonderful to be an entrepreneur, right? Like I I have some people like that on my team, like they don't want to be the founder founder, but they're so, so immensely entrepreneurial. And it's like really nice to work with founders that, you know, want to have those people around. It's like a real thing. Totally. Well, this has been awesome. It's been so good to catch up with you. I'm so excited for you and I'm going to run out and grab some. (laughs) I need my, I need my quiet moment. Sometimes. Yes. Um, you need your braless yes, candle, Rebecca. My braless candle? Yes. We have our three candles are braless, wired, and soaked. Because braless is like unwind, like best fucking feeling in the world. Take your bra off. And then wired, like perk me up, matcha, eucalyptus, tea leaf. And then we came up with soaked, which is like a more zen, hinoki type. Oh, I love it. I love braless. double entendre. Yes. I love the idea of, I love it. Just like, ugh, get it off. Best feeling. I know. Yes. Get it off. I know. Awesome. Thank is you, any- Rebecca Minkoff. Thank you for being vulnerable. I think it's so important in these interviews. So it is very yeah. important. We're in it deep in the manure. I know. 
one way to put it for sure. (laughs) I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.